You are listening to the Mile Straight Podcast. For more information on Mile Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraightbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss. Well, good morning. Welcome to Mile Straight. Glad you're here today. Uh, if you haven't already, if you would grab your study guide out of your bulletin, grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack, and we'll get into our discussion for today. Um, I am not surprised when, uh, when someone tells me something about the Apostle Paul, or I read something in one of his books, or I read something about what is said about him in the book of Acts, that I learn that he is a very aggressive type person. Not surprised by that. I'm not surprised to find out that he's a very type A personality, that he is a very direct, forceful person, that he doesn't mind if it's needed to get in your face and to confront you about whatever is needed to be confronted. I, uh, I'm not surprised by that. I'm not saying that any of that's a bad thing, but it just doesn't surprise me because for years and years and years, <clears throat> even through probably the first 10 or 12 years of my ministry here, I, I thought that was the only side there was to Paul. I honestly thought that this was this gruff, gripey, mean-spirited, in-your-face type person. And yet, the more you study about him, the more you come to understand that that's so far from the truth. It's not truth. It is, it is completely wrong. That this is a guy who had great compassion. This is a guy that, yes, he didn't mind confronting you if it was necessary, but he would do so in a spirit of love, in a spirit of meekness. This is a guy that didn't mind pouring out his heart. And in fact, that's what we're going to see today. That this, this rough, in-your-face evangelist poured out his heart when it was needed, when it was necessary. And we're going to see him do that in, in the book of Philemon. Now, Philemon doesn't have chapters. It's a very, very small book. And therefore, it's all contained just within the book title and not chapter divisions. But today we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. Verses 4 through 7. We will not get the full context of this story. And so if you'd like to know more about what's going on, about why Paul is, is involved in this discussion to Philemon, then it would be good to go home and read this book. It won't take you more than three or four minutes to read the entire book. You can say, I read a book today. and It will be accurate. But what we're going to address is just this part where we see this gruff, on-the-surface type, uh, in-your-face person pouring his heart out for a guy that he's come to appreciate so much. And I want you to listen to what he says. He says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints 
have been refreshed by you, brother. <laughs> I have a tendency on occasion, now not as much as it used to take place, but, but I still have a tendency to be a little bit skeptical. There are times when me being skeptical has been beneficial. There are other times when me being, a, being skeptical has been very damaging. Damaging to my ministry, damaging to other people. Because I was always looking behind the door to see, uh, what are you really after? You know, I think sometimes in ministry that, that is something that just happens. And it, it's shameful, I guess, but, but it is something that just happens because you're bombarded with people from a lot of different areas coming and wanting things. And, and so you become skeptical at the stories that you're told. You're always looking for what's, what's really behind the scenes. What are you really, really up to in this? And so as a result, you'll have to excuse me today, but I kind of view this story through the eyes of a skeptic. I view this story not in, in thinking that Paul is untruthful or that Paul is, is somehow trying to get something out of Philemon, which, by the way, he is after Philemon to be engaged in something. If you read the rest of the story, you'll find that out. But, but simply because, in my eyes, this, this manner of skepticism is based on maybe that that Philemon is thinking, why, why me? I mean, Paul starts this conversation out by saying, I, I thank my God. And, and to complete the sentence, to complete the thought, he said, I thank my God for you, Philemon. And, and, and I wonder if Philemon stepped back and said, really? Why? I mean, why, why me? Out of all the people you know, out of all the people who have touched your life, that you've been part of, lives that you've touched, why would you say that about me? Why would you take time to write this letter to me? Now remember, the Apostle Paul now is in prison. And so when he writes this letter, he's probably in a dark dungeon, maybe chained to something, and he's struggling to write this letter. And yet it's so important to him that he sends this information on ahead to Philemon. And Philemon may have been thinking, why? Why? So you will excuse me, please, as I move through this, if I ask the questions of a skeptic and in looking at this particular study. In fact, what I want to do is give you the statement by Paul and then ask the question, as maybe it would flow from someone like me, to then get Paul's answer. It's as if Paul sees this coming. He sees the skepticism. Now, we have no reason to believe that Philemon was a skeptic. I'm, again, I just want to, un, you to understand that this is my thinking. You're getting inside my brain today, and I'm sorry about that, but that's just where it went as I studied. So. And so I want to ask the questions as maybe a skeptic would in order to see the answer come out for us to study it a little more clearly. So as I said, Paul begins this thought by saying, I thank my God for you, Philemon. To which maybe Philemon said, Ann? Ann? 
Now, now I know that's not complete enough. We need to build a full question out of it. So let's just say that Philemon would say, and, and what does that cause you to do? Okay, so you, you thank God for me, but, but really now, number one, your first fill-in, what does that cause you to do? And I believe we see it in verse 4 where Paul says, it causes me to pray for you. Causes me to pray for you. There's the answer. I pray for you. Because I'm thankful for you, I pray for you. It's a couple of really important things. Now, in a minute, we're going to see what an incredible guy Philemon is. But we've got to start this process by looking at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is truly an amazing guy. I had him figured Rome for so many years. I, I just saw the gruff. But now we get to see this, this, this really compassionate guy. This guy who, who truly, deeply loves these people to whom he is writing. Now, he's writing this directed at Philemon, but he's also writing it to the church that, that meets in Philemon's house. If you read the first few verses, you see that. But the information's directed at Philemon. And so he says, Philemon, I'm grateful for you, I'm thankful for you, and I pray for you. It's interesting to see that this prayer of Paul comes out of his gratitude. The prayer of Paul comes out of his gratitude. We're going to see more about why when we get to the fourth point. So just hang on. We'll get there in just a few minutes. But what's really interesting to me is to see how Paul acknowledges God's work in all of this. Now, now this to me is something that, that didn't necessarily register at first, but after studying it for a little while, it all of a sudden began to take form for me. The Apostle Paul could have very easily said, and not one of us would have faulted him for it, even the most strict theologian probably wouldn't have said, Paul, you did that all wrong. He, he could have easily said to Philemon, Philemon, you have blessed my life so much, you have encouraged me in so many ways, and I just want you to know, I appreciate that. Thank you for what you've done in my life. And yet that's not what Paul does. Paul doesn't thank Philemon for what he's done in his life. Now, I think it's implied in the whole context here, but that's not where he goes in this thought. What Paul says is, I, I am so grateful for you that I've got to stop and thank God. I've got to thank God for you. You see, Paul didn't believe that it was a fluke. He didn't believe it was coincidence. He didn't believe it was just a chance thing that he and Philemon had become close friends. He didn't think that it was just some random happening that he met this guy and all of a sudden these guys are buddies and Philemon has worked to, to, to minister to Paul in ways maybe he didn't even realize. Paul understands that God knew he would need a man like Philemon in his life. Paul knew that he was going to need someone to encourage him. And therefore, he put Philemon into his life. And Paul, recognizing the significance of God's work in his life, said, I just want you to know, Philemon, I'm so grateful for you. And I thank God for what you are to me. You know, one of the things that has 
come into my thoughts through the process of studying and preparing for this today is how many of you have been that for me? How many of you have been that person that I just thank God for? How many of you have been that person that whether you knew it or not, you've done certain things that I've seen or I've heard about that's caused me just to stop and say, wow, thank you, God. Thank you. I really needed that encouragement right now. I really needed to see that person growing. I needed to see them stepping up. Father, thank you for what you're doing here. We see then the Apostle Paul praying this prayer out of gratitude. Now there's something else that comes into play here when we look at the Apostle Paul in light of verse 4. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayer. And that is the fact that the Apostle Paul is a prayer warrior. Now I can tell you what, as a... As a pastor, there's a lot of weight that gets put on you, and, and rightfully so, it should be, but there's a lot of things that come into play with, with people sharing their burdens, sharing their problems, and, and as a result, there are times when you just feel like it's, it's really heavy. It's not always the case, but there are times when it just feels so heavy because you see the hurt, you see the problems, and for me, I, I, I think about that, and then I think about the Apostle Paul. Because here's a guy that not only was ministering in one church, but he had many churches that he cared for. Many churches that he oversaw. Many churches that he visited and tried to stir them up. And I can imagine that the weight that was on the Apostle Paul must have been tremendous. And yet here we find the Apostle Paul with all for which he had to pray. Telling Philemon, I want you to know, I'm praying for you all the time. All the time. I'm not just praying for you that one time. I have a tendency to do that. Okay, out of sight, out of mind. I pray for you when you ask me to and then sometimes I forget. That's very much to my shame. I, I other times will pray a couple of times and then out of sight, out of mind, I forget. The Apostle Paul said, no. Man, every time, every time God brings you to my, to my thoughts, I just stop and thank God and pray for you. What an incredible example. How much stronger we would be as Christians, how much more effective we would be as Christians if we had someone that dedicated to us? How much more effective and stronger would other people in our church be if we were that dedicated to them? You know what? We need people who say, I'm going to be a Paul. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to step up. Let me tell you, praying is not easy. You say, oh, it's just praying, it's just talking to God. Anybody can do that. You're right, anybody can do it. But the problem is, not everybody does it because it's work. It's labor-intensive. Praying is, is, is hard. It's hard. You know, I can start praying for someone. I didn't intend to share this, but for whatever reason, it's coming out of my mouth, so you're going to get it anyway. I, I, I can start praying, and, 
and I can have the best of intentions, did it this morning, praying for somebody in this church, have the best of intentions, and all of a sudden I realize my thoughts are a million miles away. And what I'm thinking about has absolutely nothing to do with this person. How can that happen? Prayer is involved. Prayer is difficult. And yet we need that. Last week, uh, Jason and Kids World of Kids came up and presented me with that painting, their fingerprints on it. Uh, I thought that was so cool. And I'm so thankful for it. Jason said, you need to be praying for our pastor. Let's be praying for our pastor. So true. But please don't get me wrong. While I want it and I desire it, all of our pastors need that. Every one of our pastors needs you praying for them. We need to be on your list of people that you pray for always. Why? Because we have an enemy that walks about like a roaring lion. He looks to devour. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he would love to take down the leadership of this church. Because he knows if he can get the leadership of the church, there's going to be a lot of people who will be discouraged and they're going to follow suit. We need you praying for us regularly. We, we also need to be praying for our church family. We need to be praying for those who are regular attenders in our church. We need to be praying for people outside our church. We need to get a heart for people. And we need people who will say, I'm going to be the Apostle Paul here. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to pray for these people. And you put it in your phone as a reminder. My wife is really amazing in a lot of different ways. But here's one. Every day, I think it's at 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock, her phone alerts her, an alarm goes off, and on the screen it shows certain people that she prays for every day. You know, her pray for me kids uh, every day. Her, her missionaries that she's committed to pray for every day. And I love that, love that. What would be wrong with us just setting an alarm that goes off every day and we say, I'm praying, praying. How much stronger would we as a church be? How much more effective would we as a church be if we just looked around and picked somebody out here and added them to our list? May not know them, may not know anything about them, may not know the problems or the struggles they have, but I can assure you they have some. And for us just to stop and pray, God, give them strength today. Grow them in you. Make them more like your son, Jesus Christ. Let Jesus Christ be visible through them. Father, bless their lives. Bless their families. The Apostle Paul shows us such an amazing example of a prayer warrior. And so he says, I thank my God for you. And this, this thanksgiving caused him to pray continually for Philemon. To which I believe, possibly in Philemon's mind, the question would have arisen, number two, what motivates you to pray for me? What motivates you to pray for me? Okay, you told me a little bit about it, but let's just get down to the nitty-gritty. What is it that motivates you to pray for me? And the Apostle Paul responds in the verse 5. He says, it is your love and your faith. Your love and your faith. Verse 5, hearing of your love and faith, 
which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. This faith that the Apostle Paul had, this, this strong faith in God. It's a faith that saved him. We're not saved by works. It's a matter of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's a faith that grew him, that developed him, that prepared him, that equipped him, that is now using him to be effective in the lives of the people in the church where he meets. Whether he's the pastor or just a member of that church, it is not fully clear. Most people believe he's the pastor. But the Apostle Paul is, is telling him this is a very visible trait that is so positive for every Christian. Your faith. And it's a faith that generates something in return. It's a faith that is active. And that faith generates a love for Jesus Christ and for all the saints. This is an amazing guy. His love is, is quite inspiring. It's, it's, it's a love that, that generates an invitation to follow me. He may not be standing there saying it, but that's exactly what people are seeing. Look at what happens in my life when I love God and when I love you. The Spirit of God works in mighty ways. You come and follow me. So the Apostle Paul says to him, he says, I'm so grateful for you. And as a result, I'm going to pray for you on a regular basis because I'm watching to see your love and faith develop. Number three, well, what are you praying for me? Maybe he didn't doubt that Paul prayed for him. I don't know. I, again, the skepticism rises. I, I would have a little bit of an issue. Somebody says, I'm praying for you all the time. You know, I hope you are. But I'm just skeptical enough to think that maybe you're more like me than you want to give in to. And you're just praying when you think about it every now and then. So maybe, maybe a little skepticism comes out of, out of this guy and, and he just says, Okay, well let's just get down to the nitty gritty. What is it that you're praying you say you're praying for me? Well, what is it that you're praying? Let's see if there's really any substance to what you're saying. Or if, or if we're doing one of these, God bless all the people in Africa, and God bless all the people in Asia. That's a great starter prayer, but as we grow and mature, that needs to develop as well, right? And Paul responds to this, number three, and says... I'm praying for your effectiveness in your witness. I'm praying for effectiveness in your witness or in your testimony. Now understand this. When he talks about the witness here, he's not talking about one that goes door to door. Not that kind of a witness. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but, but that's not what Paul is talking about. What Paul is talking about is, is I'm praying that you will put your faith into action. That it will be effective as you put your faith into action. Okay, listen to the verse, verse 6. He says that the sharing of your faith or putting your faith into action may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. 
So Paul teaches us this very basic principle that faith is active. And he's saying to to Philemon, he's saying, I'm praying that this active faith that you already have is going to mature and it's going to grow to where it is even more effective as you reflect and acknowledge the good things that God has placed in you in Christ Jesus. Paul wants this action, this witness of his faith, this testimony of what he believes to be effective. And we're not going to see, as I said earlier, the end of this story. We're not going to see what Paul is working to achieve as an end result of where he's going with this information. But but what we see is that Paul knows that if that end is achieved... If the the result that he's hoping to see come out of Philemon is finally achieved, then Paul is going to be strengthened in his service for God. Okay, so here's a really neat thing. As as Philemon is, is practicing an active faith, faith is not dormant, it's not stale, but faith is active. The more faith I have in God, the more active I'm going to be in His service. And the Apostle Paul says, I want you to grow and mature to where this faith that is so active will be effective in strengthening me in this one area so that the gospel will be furthered. Do you know it's always the case? It's always the case. When I exercise my faith, When my faith is active, that other people are affected by it. It's always the case. God's called me to a life of activity. It's not a life of just sitting on a pew. It's a life of of experiencing a relationship in motion. That relationship with Jesus Christ. There's an active life. And when I am active with my faith, when my faith causes me to step out and do things that I wouldn't normally do, it causes me to get out of what is comfortable for me, God uses my faith in the lives of other people the same as God had used Philemon's faith in the life of Paul. We need people who are Paul's that are going to pray and going to pray continually for others. And we need people who are Philemon's that are going to step out and exercise their faith. They're going to step out and do what other people are not going to do. They're going to step out and they're going to be, they're going to be engaged and involved for the betterment of the church, the betterment of the community. And Paul being... Maybe hundreds of miles away. I don't know the distance. I don't even right now recall where he was in relationship. But Paul being that far away was also being affected by the faith of Philemon. God is calling us to be people who are prayer warriors. God is calling us to be people who have active faith to impact others. One final question comes up. Number four. Philemon may have just said, well, why would you care enough to pray for me? 
Why would you care enough to pray for me? With all that's going on in your life, with all the things that are, that are put on your shoulders, all the things you have to pray, why in the world would you include me? Now, I know that Paul would walk from place to place, and it could be a great distance, and he had plenty of time to pray in the, on the journey. And I know that now as he sits writing this letter to Philemon, he's in a, he's in a jail cell or down in a dungeon somewhere, and he's got plenty of time. He's not going anywhere. He's got plenty of time to pray. But I want you to know this is still a tough thing. Tough thing. Prayer is, is work. And Philemon may have well wanted to know, Paul, why would you care enough to pray for me? And Paul's answer comes out, because you encourage us and others. Number four, you encourage us and you encourage others. Verse seven, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. We have great joy and consolation in your love. These good works that Philemon had done, Paul was very much aware that they had touched the lives of so many people. And Paul was certain that that was going to continue. He himself had been a recipient of that touch. He had greatly been encouraged by the actions of Philemon. Being in prison, he may have needed that encouragement more than ever. Now he's seeing the results. He's experiencing it firsthand. And he's saying, Philemon, it's time to move on. It's time to keep going. Don't stop now. So Philemon was playing a very important role in the life of Paul. Paul, this, this great orator, this, this great evangelist, he, he, he could give a tribute to Philemon to say, part of the reason I'm still going in times that are desperate is because Philemon is part of my life. I see his faith. I see his love. I've experienced the joy that comes from knowing this person. And I just wonder to myself, I wonder if I've ever been that to somebody else. I wonder if I've ever been so much of an encourager, so much of one who has exercised my faith in such a way that others have looked to say, wow, I can't help but pray for you. You have blessed my life in so many ways. You have encouraged me so frequently. I can't help but pray for you. And this cycle begins rolling. You encourage me, therefore I pray for you. Therefore you are strengthened. Therefore you encourage more. And the cycle just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. I wonder also if, if you've ever been that person for someone. If you've ever been the reason why they've been strengthened. Have you ever been the reason why they've been encouraged? Have you ever been the reason that made the difference in them failing and succeeding in their walk with Christ? What would it take? 
What would it take to be that person? I don't want to go into it fully, but next week we're going to talk about that. Next week we're going to open that up a little bit more as we unveil some things for the, the rest of 2019 and 2020. And as I've told you on previous occasions, I can't wait to share that with you. But for now, let's just leave with two questions. Are you a prayer warrior? Are you making a difference in someone else's life? You know, if you answered no to either of those or both of them, maybe this would be a really good time just to stop and say, God, I am so sorry. I've had such an opportunity to, to impact my church family. And I failed in that. Sorry. Would you give me the courage? Would you give me the strength to do what I need to do?